Blog Talk Radio. Welcoming you live here today. It is Saturday, August 14th, 2021. And whether you're listening live or in the future, I am just so happy to welcome you here today. And your energy is present here with me, whether live or at any other time. And in fact, today, we're going to be talking about the movie Field of Dreams, because it's recently been surfaced again, and it's worth talking about. Not only talking about why this film may have inspired those of us who saw it soon after it came out, those of us who have watched it multiple times over the years, but why it continues to inspire and what it says about all of us and how we really feel about some of the things that it has to share. Those of us who consider ourselves in the spiritual community, saying that very broadly, those of us who have had spiritual experiences or have a day-to-day experience with the divine, with our spiritual paths, a film like Fields of, Field of Dreams is very meaningful to us. Maybe it had something to do with our awakening. Maybe it lingered kind of in our subconscious as wishing this is how the world could possibly be. When I first saw Field of Dreams, and in those days I tended to see movies relatively quick. It came out in 1989. That was a pretty busy time for me um, because I was entering graduate school. I haven't actually looked what month in 1989 it came out, but whenever I saw it during that time period, I tended to only have a an interest in spirituality that was kind of in the background. It was something that had happened for me in some ways, but I wasn't quite sure how to understand what it was that I really believed. And I knew that I believed in something, but it wasn't 
entirely clear at that time as to what that was. And for those of you who have experienced synchronicities, I haven't seen many, or if I had, they tended, I just didn't understand them. And um, I can meaningfully say that looking back on my childhood, I did see a very real synchronicity when I was very young, um, five years old, and I remembered it. Maybe I'll talk about that later, about the things that we see, the things that are amazing, the things that we can't necessarily explain and yet can be proven to ourselves. And when we're in the presence of someone else who may even be very skeptical, they too will see the same thing. Because in Field of Dreams, there are just so many things in this film, the gift that keeps on giving. We are shown how when you are aware, when your awareness is heightened, when you are clearly in touch with something greater than yourself, even if there are skeptics all around you, and we're going to talk about skeptics too and how they like this film too. Even if there are skeptics all around you, it doesn't matter because you see it and it's real and it is proven and there may be other people with you and that's the case in Field of Dreams as it grows until a whole bunch of people see it. There are so many lessons in this movie. If you haven't seen it, I do invite you to go and see it, but it is not a prerequisite prerequisite for listening to this show today. How has Field of Dreams come up recently? And really, it got a lot of attention. Only through sheer chance, really, was I able to see. I had seen that it was coming on weeks ago, but I happened to be watching the local news, and they mentioned something about the Field of Dreams baseball game which didn't really do very well for the local news because I immediately changed the channel to go looking for it because I saw they were in the pre-game already. And I, with the fascination of no doubt many other people, watched how they were making preparations to play this game on a field that they had set up right near the original field in Field of Dreams. And just to give you a little bit of insight into this movie, I'd say a number of you have seen it already. Um, The main character, and by the way, this film did win Best Picture. It it got many honors in its time. Um, the, The main character, who's played by Kevin Costner, who happened to also be at this game, which was um, kind of reenacting, not exactly, it was a real game in the real setting, but it had some things to say, too, as to what they were doing. Um, He, through this film, is essentially guided to plow over his corn in Iowa and build a baseball field. And it starts with a kind of a dream vision sequence um, where... He, he is told, if you build it, he will come, which isn't really very clear. A lot of people misquote that these days and, and think it's they will come. And it kind of, I think because we generalize it in our heads, but it was he will come. The movie, he persists through incredible hardship, skepticism. 
he has a loving wife who is, you know, doesn't see what he he sees and yet supports him as far as she can. And she knows that he's on to something, even if she doesn't understand it herself. And meanwhile, they're in the process of losing this farm. And it is a very, it is a time of great hardship. And they are parents. And they they are living within um, within a kind of um, a fantasy, but it is very, very real, the consequences, um, the things that the main character must face. And let me also note that Field of Dreams was actually based upon a book, and I needed to actually look this up myself because I had a feeling it was based on a book, and it deserves recognition. Any book from which a film is adapted, especially, well, any film, especially something as well-known as this, um, it was adapted by from W.P. Kinsella's 1982 novel, Shoeless Joe. The movie has so much to say. It has. It even talks about timelines and the nature of nonlinear time. It talks about forgiveness. It talks about the ways that we can um, heal, heal our wounds, because the main character has a wound that he needs to heal. And others in the film have wounds they need to heal. And so all these characters in the film are going through this miraculous exercise. And some of them are even ghosts. <laughs> Not going to give you everything away. And in this, there is healing. As I watched the introduction to the game the other night, um, they were showing various players, and there was a diversity of players. And in fact, um, the film itself um, conveys diversity as well and they all were inspired by this movie the film has something to say about distrust in the film the main character approaches um, he's guided basically this film has a lot to say about guidance um, caught anywhere along the way um, people wouldn't have viewed it well I mean it, this character is able to have this experience to completion. And he, at an early point in the movie, is pursuing a famous author, Terrence Mann, who lives in isolation, a black author. And he, when at first um, the main character, played by Kevin Costner, appeared, appears this author is very distrustful i mean no doubt he's been harassed by fans and who is this guy who's this crazy guy and you know eventually um they they he basically um kidnaps him and they go on this little adventure and before you know it he's able to see it too and then what they're involved in the magic together i cannot say enough things about the importance of the enduring legacy of this movie. The people 
who were introducing and talking about the baseball game. They didn't seem particularly spiritual. I mean, I can't say what their spiritual paths were. But clearly this film was touching all of them. And they all so wanted to believe. And it was so meaningful to them. And you could feel it palpably how much they wanted to believe. Even though, yes, if you sat them down, they would tell you, oh, this is, this is fiction. Especially if they were a skeptic. But the thing is, is below the veneer of the skeptic is this person who has always loved perhaps watching fantasy or science fiction or reading, mostly reading. I knew so many people like this in the sciences. They would read voraciously, like in the 80s. We weren't on our phones. We didn't have them. So if you were in between classes and you were really into reading, and often, you know, depending on what you chose to read, a lot of science-oriented people would read science fiction or fantasy, which is a more magical version, or science fantasy, a combination. And they loved these books, and they loved, they just loved every movie that came out. When we were younger, we all flocked to Star Wars, and look at the magic in that movie. And it was a new series then, and look how long that's lasted. Beneath the veneer is a yearning to know the truth. That is what I'm saying today. Beneath the veneer is even more than a yearning. It's a feeling that maybe many want to reject because, oh, well, that's not logical, they say to themselves. It's this feeling that endures that somewhere, if they aren't shouting at themselves too much, at their own intuition, there's something to this. And they may not understand what or how or when. And they may even participate in laughing and mocking, which, you know, in this film, there's a lot of derision not a lot of people know what's going well. Actually, they do end up. There are other parents, people in the community are seeing that this guy is plowing over his field and that these people are crazy. And they they weren't multi-generational farmers. They had come in, if I remember, to buy the land relatively recently. They, And it was just, what is this guy doing? He's He's an idiot. He's insane. Even so feeling of this film below the surface calls to people. Maybe they have seen a synchronicity they couldn't explain, a meaningful coincidence. I saw one when I was five years old, but I didn't know what it was, but I'll never forget it. I was in the basement. I had a big family. I grew up with a big family. And I was down in the basement with one of my sisters where she had a room. Three three of my siblings had rooms down there, although one may have been away by, well, I was five. I'm not sure. Anyway, the house was very occupied at that time in my life. And I was 
down there, and on the radio came um, my beautiful balloon, Up, Up, and Away, and my beautiful, my beautiful balloon, which was a popular song at that time, although you know, I really wouldn't have known necessarily when I was five, although actually I would, because in those days, radio was big. And so you had the radio on a lot. And so popular songs, some of them, I mean, in, in the early 70s, songs in the late 60s, they would come on even every hour almost if it was that popular, that requested. And I can't say how many times this song would come on. And it, it's rather humorous that the, the group Dimension, we might talk about that a bit, talk about a multi-layered synchronicity. But what happened that day was not just that the song came on. I wouldn't have even have known the group or even thought it. I was five. It's that all of a sudden, a brother yelled down the stairs, balloon, balloon, there's a balloon, Susan, balloon. And I went racing up the stairs and out the door. And I remember it so vividly because we were building a fence at that time, and it was partially built because we were getting a new puppy. That was a very exciting summer for me. And up in the sky was a balloon. And we almost never saw balloons. In fact, I can't really remember a time at that particular house. Later in life, I lived in places where there were more balloons. But at that time in my life, I don't remember seeing balloons over my house or near my house. It wasn't right over. It was sort of in the distance, but you could see it very, very clearly. And I don't know what my five-year-old mind processed that day, but I can tell you that I noticed that the song had been playing and there was a balloon. It was like magic. When we are children, there can be many hints of the magical world. And I think that we forget them when we're older. But at that age, I still was able to process that there was this balloon in the sky and that it matched the song. It was obvious. Because when there's a meaningful coincidence like that, it is obvious. The song was playing and there was a balloon. And I had never seen a balloon near my home. And it felt like magic. It felt like um, Wizard of Oz, which I had only recently been introduced to the year before. It felt like other magical things that no doubt I was already well-versed in because childhood was the time of fantasy and I love to hear magical stories, as do many children. That experience throughout life, I kind of lost touch with it. It was a mystery. It's like, wow, what happened there? wasn't really that spiritual. I went through different phases of spirituality in my life. And at the time Field of Dreams came out, I was kind of running away from a lot of it, truthfully. I just couldn't really integrate it all. And yet below the surface, I didn't stop believing. I just didn't know what to believe, truthfully. I was having a hard time with it. And so I was just kind of surrounded by a life of um, 
of science, so to speak. Not to say, let's be clear, there there is not a difference between science and truth when science is honestly exploring truth. But maybe I should say it more as mechanistic science, materialistic science. But even so, there had been some pretty magical things that were happening at that time. I don't know exactly when it happened, but it would have been very soon. I'd have to think through this. I guess it was after, but I don't know when I saw the film, but I just had a just a miraculous performance on a very difficult part of the GRE, which I just couldn't figure out how I managed to do it. Even though I had practiced, it was especially good when I finally took the test. And it was an area that sometimes, you know, I did okay and reasonably good, but not as good as I did. And that alone was enough to get me into the graduate school that I was intending to go to at that time. That whole period is a rather long story that I won't get into, but when I look back on it, there's a lot of magic going on, and I probably saw some of it at the time as well. Field of Dreams inspires us. You know, we throw that word around a lot. Inspiration. Being inspired. Inspiration. Spirit. The spirit within. When we are inspired, it doesn't matter what we believe. It doesn't matter if we don't believe a damn thing. Down below the surface of that is this calling, is this feeling. And maybe we don't feel it quite as strongly as the main character in Field of Dreams. But it's present. I believe the response to the reintroduction of Field of Dreams should give us a lot of hope. Because lately there's been a lot of criticism and diminishment of spirituality. We just don't see it as being something... um, There are a lot of people who have either kind of walked away from being openly spiritual and... You know, everything is about materialism and materialistic science, which is just one form of science. It's not the whole of science. The whole of science is about the pursuit of truth. And if you're not pursuing the whole of science, then it's just a narrowly focused, I don't even know what to call it, because it's actually anti-science if you don't have an interest in truth. Because true science does have an interest in truth, no matter what. I finally, after having mentioned it more than once on other programs, I finally brought the quote from Ben Franklin's autobiography. It's in a rather long passage in which he's talking about his study of electricity. And I wanted to quote this because I've been wanting to bring this to you for a few weeks. This was about when his making a correlation between lightning and electricity was being mocked. And in the 
the sentence before, he talks of the Royal Society, because in the quote I'm about to give you, he just calls it the Society. Here's a quote. One paper, which I wrote for Mr. Kinnersley on the sameness of lightning with electricity, I sent to Dr. Mitchell, an acquaintance of mine, and one of the members also of that society, meaning the Royal Society of London, who wrote me word that it had been read but was laughed at by the connoisseurs. That's the quote. That is from Ben Franklin's autobiography, and it's a really lost quote that people don't see very often anymore because I had to find it just because I was actually reading his autobiography from beginning to end, and it was, well, I think it's really just excerpts of his autobiography. I don't think I'm reading the whole thing, but it's a pretty lengthy passage from it. And he wrote his autobiography later in life. I can't see if I can find the date here. Let's see if it says when he wrote this. Uh, let's see. Okay. He was writing it. It's, it's, it's addressed to Dear Son, and it was written in 1771, and Benjamin Franklin lived from 1706 to 1790. And that passage from it just jumped out at me because it shows exactly this phenomenon. It has been true for a very long time that proving anything within the realm of science typically is supposed to require this kind of trial by fire so to speak. But it would really be nice if there was less hostility. And now we live in a world of funding and and all kinds of influence. And it was probably true then in different ways, not in the ways that's true today, that a true and honest scientist who is really onto something, really just an explorer of truth, as Ben Franklin was, they get doors slammed in their face all the time, and there really aren't even many discussions of things anymore. Um, true, true and honest exploration involves a balanced discussion where all different opinions are discussed. And true discovery in history has often happened again and again and again by one or two people. Sometimes it's there's a mystery to it. They can be working in different parts of the world because it's as if when something is ready to be discovered, it's ready to be discovered, it seems. But it's almost never some giant group. It's a lone explorer. So... A lot of spirituality is about authenticity. It's about honesty. It's about transparency. It's about so many things that get lost in the trappings of a very complicated world. Field of Dreams puts that front and center in front of us. What struck me so much 
about this game that they played was it was said afterwards to have been a huge success and that maybe they'll do it every year. And I don't know how many people tuned in. I did for a while. I didn't watch the whole thing. And there's something more to it than a game. Yes, of course, people feel the depth of that needing to heal, especially that whether it's with a family member or a close friend, that seemingly irreconcilable difference that seems like it will never be resolved. Well, as a person in the spiritual community and having actually witnessed someone transition and clearly see something um, and evidence even before that person transitioned and having even on this program heard many talk of different near-death experiences that people have had and I have every confidence that if something isn't healed within this life, it will be healed in the next. And in a way, field of dreams or in the in the afterlife, the in-between life, which I believe we have, um, there's nothing that won't be healed within that domain. On another level, field of dreams is about a group of people who misbehaved and They were given another chance. We're losing sight of forgiveness within our culture. And it's really important. That is a fundamental aspect, I know, of what, you know, depending on what your spiritual path is, it's about as essential as can be, that people are not the same throughout their lives. People change. People grow. And if we don't recognize this, that can lead to some really difficult spaces because we lose sight of what's so fundamental for us to live in an empathic world. Forgiveness is ultimately about our coming first to peace with what we need to be forgiven for, what, you know, how we have grown. And then it broadens. And broadens and broadens. There's an aspect of field of dreams that has to do with time. And that's been talked about on this program. Time and how we have a person who is in the film. They're time traveling, essentially. And then one of the characters is essentially different ages of himself. I mean, it's a pretty profound, multidimensional concept that's presented there. And he even makes a sacrifice at some point where he needs to step off the field, so to speak, which is this place where they can play baseball that they always dreamed. Everyone on that baseball field has always dreamed to be there, whether they've never been there before, whether they could have been there, where in this this particular character... He was, you know, I think he had one chance and then he couldn't be there. And um, he ended up becoming a doctor. And it's about being in this space where your dreams come true. And it has to do with baseball. I posted something that many people, unless you are a very dedicated baseball fan, 
they won't know what this is, but it's a real thing. Where I grew up, and I'm not even going to identify that. I'm going to make this even more of a mystery. Where I grew up, there used to be a baseball stadium. And our father would bring us to baseball games. When I was growing up, it was a lot of fun in the summertime. About this time of year, school didn't start so early in those days. Um, And I know in different parts of the country, school still doesn't start this early. Um, But... On a summer's night, it was really inexpensive, and we would go to a baseball game, and sometimes there would be fireworks, and it was just so exciting, and I loved it, and sometimes my friends would go, and we'd have, as we got a little older, maybe around the age of 12 or so, and we all had fun going to these baseball games. Well, eventually, that stadium, um, which, here's another hint, it, it was an unusual stadium in that it could expand and it could it could expand outwards or it could come inwards to be a football stadium. Eventually the stadium was torn down. And my brothers, being tremendous sports fans, um, many years ago it was probably gosh, we had we went to an event at the new stadium which had just been built and um it must have been, it was maybe eight years ago. It was a while ago. And one of my brothers said, we're going to go look for the old home plate. Because what they had done was they had painted the home plate in the middle of the parking lot. And there was almost nobody there that day. It was We were actually going for a tour, um, which we were fortunate to be on, related to... Um, to some things in school, a scholarship I had had in school, and I was able to go on this tour and bring some people with me, and I brought my my brothers. And there was this home plate in the middle of the parking lot, and my brother got out his mitt and his baseball and they got out a bat and they were we were literally doing a very mini mock game right there. There was no one around. We weren't like hitting it anywhere close to out of the park. I'm not sure um if we did hit the ball, I guess my brother did. I I went up to bat but I don't think I hit it. I'm not sure. I can't remember. I remember playing catcher and I you have some pictures of this. And there was like, here we were, just alone in this parking lot. No one would have any idea what the heck was going on. But this was home plate. This had been home plate for our baseball team. Many greats had been there. My father, which Field of Dreams has a lot to do with your father and your relationship with your father, he had brought all of us to this place. And he had died not that long ago. And in in this dream, in this film, it's about... You're, in the particular case of this character, his relationship with his father, who was no longer on the earth. It was a magical day. And I think it was just yesterday I saw a reference to another part of that day. Because we took a few pictures. It was a magical day. But it was that allure. This was home plate. Many famous baseball players had come through there, even though 
this was um, not Major League Baseball when we were going. But still, this had been a farm team or there had been some other exhibitions. Different players had come through and played in that spot. And I wasn't really thinking about that. I think my brothers were thinking about that. There was just this mystical allure to this space across time. It had to do with time. Do you ever think about that? I think about that quite a lot, um, having lived most of my life in the West, although I suppose if I lived in other parts of the world, um, you have, you know, much more knowledge of history going farther back. But when I think about the American West, I think about what it was like. Who stood in this very spot years ago? Who will stand here in the future? Will we all be gone? Well, the mountains will stand. The last episode I did, I talked about a song by Kansas, and there's another one that often plays on their um, greatest hit CD, which I seem to play in my car before I come into this show. And it has to do with that, the Native Americans, and, you know, that the mountains would endure beyond them. And even without the inspiration of that song, or or there's Dust in the Wind, a very famous um, Kansas song. I don't totally believe that everything is dust in the wind, although in a way it is. Someday, at least on this planet, this planet won't even last forever. When I had my awakening experience, and it was very compelling, it was different. Many of you have had an awakening of sorts, and it was after a difficult um, thing that happened to me, and then a healing, and then coming to terms with it all, and just that brush with death that I had had. Um, when that happened to me, one of the spiritual experiences, one of the mystical experiences I had, had to do with time, and really standing in the the one place throughout time. I mean, all the way back to the Big Bang. And there were timelines, too, within this mystical experience that I had as well, how there are different, every outcome can lead to a different future, and they all exist in parallel, like tracks, although it isn't even that linear, and it's hard to express nonlinear time. And yet Field of Dreams does a really good job of it. They kind of just... It, it, it's a beautiful example in the character of the doctor. And now I really do invite you, if you haven't seen it yet or haven't seen it recently, to go see it again. I haven't, or go see it. Wouldn't it be nice to go to see it? But in whatever way you can again, and I intend to see it again too, because I haven't seen it in a while. But nonlinear time isn't necessarily even all tracks, although it may seem that way on the earth. If there are different tracks and if you're on one track, like, here's scientists talk about this as well. What this theory would be is um, on one track, you know, I, I maybe didn't get home in time to define this show. On another track, I did, and I'm on that track right now. Well, on the track where I didn't, maybe I did the show on Sunday instead of Saturday, which I actually thought about doing even today. Just a heads up, likely this show will be moving to Sunday, and there may be a brief hiatus 
at some point in the fall. But um, I'll let you know. I can't guarantee I'm going to be here every week. Or if I don't do it on Saturday, look for it on Sunday of a given week. So, But it's probably going to transition mostly to Sundays at some point. Or I may even try it in the middle of the week at some point. But however, um, I could have done it on Sunday. That would have been a different timeline, this show. And a different group of people would be listening. And that affects all of their lives. Like they stop to listen at a certain point, and then they go on and do whatever they're doing the rest of the day. Timelines. I mean, it's almost it almost boggles the mind how many there could be and just how much influence anyone has. I mean, if I'm not driving on the road at a particular time, that then impacts the people um, who would have been driving on the road with me. Some of them are earlier then. And or when I am on the road at a particular time, some of them are later. How we're all interrelated is incredible. We're getting close to the end of the live show. Um, I would like to thank those of you who are listening live today. Um, I reach out to those of you in the podcast because you are as present with me now as if you were here live. And today I'm not going to go too far over because I think we're about to a conclusion here today. But I want to invite you to FrontierBeyondFear.com where I list various episodes and I will be syndicating more as I keep promising. It may take a little while, but I'm still looking at how best to position this show, what it is I want to do with it going forward, and it may start being more topical. Just like this show today is really about a topic, not just a concept, but it's about a very specific topic and then going out to concepts from that. And one topic that I've studied a lot has to do with mysticism and prophecy and what people see and how you interpret it and how it can be inexact. Because if you are seeing something in the future, you don't understand the future, so you can only interpret it based on what you know. And even if you're told something at the time, you may not get it right. Also, how do you become discerning? Because mystical experience is very complicated. Not all of it is true. Not all of it comes true. Like if you see something, not all of it is true. It can quickly skew into fear. And how do you sort it all out? That's not easy. And I don't think anyone really knows the answer to that, except in retrospect, many people have talked about how they saw something in a mystical experience, and boy, it sure looks like that. Or we can look at what others have said and say, wow, it sure looks like that, even if inexact. These things are inexact because the people who are seeing these things are seeing as if through a mirror darkly. They may even see it very clear with their eyes, but with their minds, they don't know how to tell you what has happened. So we may talk about these things, and mysticism has everything to do with Field of Dreams as well. So I am going to close out the show on time today, that rare thing, and thank those of you who are here Um And I hope to see you next time, and I hope you can catch up on some of the programs in the archive. The one on nonlinear time you may find very interesting as well. So 
Thanks again, everyone, and I will see you next time. This is Susan Larison Dance, and this is The Frontier Beyond Fear. Thank you.